0: To a to Z Sports Prime Time on a Tuesday. I'm your host Buck Rising. If you're new to the show, and I'm proud as always to be presented to you by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is where you go for quality American-made Ford vehicles and customer service that cannot be matched. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, or online at Two Gary Ashton and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address. Without the stress, the Ashton team will put you in a position to succeed with the Intel Edge that only they can provide. GaryAshton.com is where you go. So, looking at a couple of different things for the Tennessee Titans, we've got to talk about okay, what is sustainable, right? And how difficult is it to do? looking at defense year over year it's typically pretty hard to bring things to basically to bring things to bear two years in a row right no season is created like the other and of course there will be personnel uh, that changes year over year you'll have some different variables to account uh, to account for but looking at defense specifically takes a larger toll on the body um, you know, outside of offensive line and running back, right? The most physical positions are on the def- defensive side of the ball. Uh, contact on every play, basically, unless you're playing in the secondary. And looking at it, you know, the the situation is, is different as the league has evolved. Now, we're no longer seeing, you know, smashing and crashing run, you know, Ray Lewis-sized linebackers filling a gap and taking on a a Lorenzo Neal type of fullback, right? That's not necessarily the game in its current form. A lot more wide open space. You've got, you know, legislating, uh, legislation changing how physical guys can be. And so what is sustainable on defense? That's what we're going to talk about tonight as we kind of peel through this thing. And as I was coming up with, all right, where do you start? With, uh, with Producer Reed looking at the show that he put together and kind of picking my spots as far as, well, what is the thing that they can repeat most easily after having a uh, a pretty impressive 2021 campaign? Now, maybe impressive just by nature of what you held it up against, which was, of course, the disaster that was 2020 on that side of the ball. But still, looking at uh, looking at what you have to work with on defense, you feel pretty good about your situation. Now, the best chance at success is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, and the best chance of success, I think, is something that can be done uh, that can be done in layers, for lack of a better term. So, we'll talk about it together in the comment section on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Let's start with your Two Rivers Ford take. Will the Titans have over or under 43 sacks in 2022? That's of course accounting for the regular season. We're going to talk about the importance of sacks, uh how important or maybe not important you may consider it to be, but your two rivers Ford take is where we will start. Will the Titans have over or under 43 sacks? This coming season. That's the total that they had, right? You go from 19 to 43. It's a pretty substantial jump. And in kind of diagnosing pass rush, sacks are not the best measurement for an individual pass rusher, right? You're not going to look at Harold Landry and say, okay, he had, I mean, maybe Harold Landry is a bad example because I think a lot of people do judge production based off of sack totals, but I don't necessarily look at it that way. And neither do the coaches, by the way. Sacks are a great judgment of an overall pass rush, of an overall ability to disrupt the quarterback. Pressures for the individual, and I'm sure that's a line that you guys have heard me repeat over and over and over again. Pressures are what you look at and say, okay, this is the judgment of a pass rusher, of a good or a bad pass rusher. And then the sack total is how you judge the pass rush as a whole. Quarterback hits and pressures. Kevin Jones on Facebook has that right, and I'm looking at this and saying, okay, that's probably the thing that's most easy to recreate, that's easiest to kind of sustain. It's not turnovers necessarily, right? You have to, you have to put yourself in a position to capitalize on turnovers, certainly, but turnovers is not something that you can outright game plan for. You can try and put your defense in a position to capitalize on turnovers. You can Coach had a force turnovers, but that's not necessarily a given on a play-in, play-out basis. Looking at the sack totals, um, that was something that obviously the Titans suffered with in 2020, but they were great as far as their turnover differential was concerned. In fact, it was the only reason that their defense was any kind of sustainable uh, under Shane Bowen in that first season is because they were turning the ball over. Well, they weren't turning the ball over on offense. And their turnover differential on defense was really, really helping to carry the day. Looking at, uh, I think MB has a good point here as well. I look at sacks on third and long. This judges a team's ability to get off the field. Yeah, third, situational football and and SIS uh, stats and information is an incredible resource that you can kind of put, you know, you can basically input all the different variables for situational football and it'll spit out the computations for you in ways that are easy to process, um, or at least easy for, I think, easy for most people to process. You know, you have, obviously have to take into consideration all the different variables that could be accounted for or may not be accounted for. But still, the defense's ability to get off the field on third down was substantially better because of their ability to get to the quarterback, um, not necessarily relying on turnover and luck, right? Turnover luck is kind of like puck luck in hockey, maybe maybe you get a favorable bounce. Maybe a tip drill goes your way. Maybe uh because a football is a weird shape, there's just a fantastic bounce, and all of a sudden it's in Jeff Simmons' belly as opposed to in you know Jonathan Taylor's hands, right? These are the kind of things that turnovers um that make turnovers difficult to carry over year over year. But the ability to disrupt the quarterback, I think, is what the Titans do best. So over or under 43 sacks, that's the two rivers Ford take that I'm looking for you in the meantime we'll talk to Mike Vrabel about the last time we talked to Mike Vrabel about sacks not
1: surprising you get nine sacks and that not be good enough to win a game because you guys
0: last year you talked about
1: all the sacks we didn't have and you guys somehow think that sacks lead to victories they're great we'll talk about how many we had this year but I like turnovers and interceptions and cause fumbles so Maybe we'll talk. Maybe we had
0: too many sacks this year. <laughs> I uh, there is nothing I enjoy now. Mike is clearly miserable there. That's after the Cincinnati Bengals loss. Um, <laughs> I there is few things in life or in my job rather that I enjoy more than a shitty Mike Vrabel press conference. Like he is, he is unbelievable. He is at his best. Um, at the podium when he's basically the, just up there ready to fight everybody, right? We t- you guys talked about all the different all the different sacks that you we didn't have last year. <laughs> Maybe we had too many sacks this year. And listen, I I think a lot of you guys like that. Uh, you know, months removed from that loss, but I can tell you that the very same people who are saying you know gotta love Mike and. Salty Vrabel is the best Vrabel and all these different comments that I see. You guys did not appreciate those comments after that game was lost the way that it was lost. I remember that very clearly because a lot of the same names that I see saying, God, I love it. When Mike Vrabel sticks it to the media, you were not happy with Mike's response that Saturday evening after they choked it away against Cincinnati. I just, (laughs) I, because somebody said, let me see if I can find the comment. Um, on for uh, about the question for Vrabel that's the worst question to ask Vrabel after that loss well but Eric here like here's the thing okay because I, I I will admit I've been in a lot of these press conferences I in every post-game press conference I don't go to practice every day anymore the way that I used to so I'm not at every press conference every day but I'm at every game every one that every one of consequence right I can I'm good with not catching every Friday during the regular season when, you know, Mike's fed up with our shit and we've run out of questions to ask. And then it's just basically like six minutes of, Hey Mike, who's going to, who are you scratching on Sunday? And he just, er and he just looks at Glennon, like I'm going to throat punch you if you ask me that question for 17th week in a row. And it always happens that way. But like we ask, we often, there's plenty of times when we ask bad questions. I think that that's, you know, that's probably my biggest self-criticism of what it is that we do including myself. I've asked plenty of bad questions in my lifetime. Um, but, you know, what? that's the worst question to ask Vrabel after that loss. I mean, not really. Like, what the hell else are you going to ask him? Mike, you got nine sacks and you lost a playoff game. Like, what the hell are you supposed to do with that? I, unless you ask it that way, the response is not going to be any better, right? It's not like he's going to respond better that. Hey, you know, Mike, what the – I can't I can't drop an F-bomb the way that I want to, but Mike, what the – you know, like, what – you. You, Jeff Simmons is chewing on Joe Burrow's spine and you can't win the game. What happened? Like, I'm not going to ask it that way. Right. So, I mean, what when you say that's the worst question to ask, Vrabel, well, how the hell else is Beauclair supposed to ask that question? I think, I think it's pretty. And listen, I, I, it's not just Eric. Like, there's plenty of people who I think armchair quarterback media, even your armchair quarterback, your football team, your armchair quarterback, your coaching, and you can armchair quarterback media. It's entirely your right. But I think it's a lot easier to say that's the worst question to ask Vrabel after that loss, six months removed in a YouTube chat, as opposed to you know you coming up with your own question for Mike Vrabel after he's just gotten his ass kicked when they were when they had the best chance possible, probably in the last twenty years to go to the Super Bowl uh, with the team that they currently had to host home playoff games, and they shit the bed. Right? It's it's not not necessarily the easiest dynamic to uh, to balance, but again, because I love shitty Vrabel so much. I would like to watch this clip again. Not
1: surprising you get nine sacks and that not be good enough to win a game. Because you guys, last year you talked about all the sacks we didn't have. And you guys somehow think that sacks lead to victories. They're great. We'll talk about how many we had this year, but I like turnovers and interceptions and cause fumbles. So maybe we'll talk, maybe we had too many sacks this year. <laughs> I...
0: It I've like I said, I've covered every every game that Mike Vrabel has ever coached. And it still makes me laugh every time. Mike is uh, you know, he's got a few he's got a future in media or stand-up comedy, whatever he wants to do in his uh post-coaching career, if such things exist. But right now, he's just up there, uh he's just up there uh, <laughs> trying to trying to get after people. So over or under, you know, it's a it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of way to look at it. I think that they're probably. I, w- I mean, what's the record? Reed, Reed, can you look up what the record is for regular season sacks by a team? I bet it's somewhere in the '60s, right? Probably low '60s. Uh, and and you know, now that we have an additional regular season game, that number is easier to attain. I think. Um, well, it would be easier to attain because you've got an extra game to try and accomplish it. But I think, you know, the sack record is going to be somewhere in the 60s. I would imagine producer is going to come up with the answer to that and put it in the comment section here in just a second. But I think ultimately for me, I probably you you would you would be safer betting the under, I would say, just because it's something 84 bears had 72. What? How many games, Reed? Do you have that off the top of your uh, do you have that? I know I'm making you work. He's he's just gave me the finger. I won't tell you which one, but I can see him uh, working in the shadows there. Held up a finger to the screen. I will not tell you which finger he just held up, but we will see. So in 16 games for the 84 Bears, thank you, Reed. Bravo. Uh, 72 sacks in uh, 16 regular season games. So looking at that, I think that, you know, for them to, for them to, have a better season that they did as far as a pass rush is concerned. I think that a lot of that depends simply on the quarterbacks that they play. Now, I think it's reasonable to expect that they would be better. Uh, MB says that was the 85 Bears. They won in January of 85. Okay, well, uh, no, that can't be the 80. they, They wouldn't call the 85 Bears. The 85 Bears from the 84 regular season, right? That can't be so. I, 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 will. I don't necessarily know that that is that that is accurate. Anyway, I don't want to get bogged down with that. Um, I think the safer bet is under, but I bet they probably go over. Honestly, I think that Bud Dupree is going to be a, a big difference. A, a healthy Bud Dupree is going to make a big difference for this pass rush. I think that the. Uh, I think that as you. I think that as you look at the situation for uh the Titans you had all i mean you had the three of them Harold Jeff and Denico Autry healthy for the vast majority of the season right um, jeff obviously i think was working through some stuff towards the end denico i believe missed at least one start uh that comes to mind i would have to go back and check pro football reference on that um but i would say that bud dupree who was a much less consistent presence for that defense is going to make a big difference as a part of that. Now, I don't necessarily know that it, you know, it jumps from 43 to 53 all of a sudden, but I do think that they will be a considerably better unit, and they were already a really good one, right? Plus, you consider the additions of Rashad Weaver, we'll see uh what somebody like Ola Adaini can continue to bring to the table. Um, I think that Naquan Jones and Tier Tart are really, really nice depth pieces. Um, well, Tierra Tarta t- is technically the starting nose tackle, but still, um, you're looking at this and saying, yeah, I, I think a lot of this, a lot of this bodes well for a unit to be able to sustain year over year. Mad Max, uh, on YouTube, Mad Max 931 says, Autry played way better than I expected and a the same. Well, uh, Danico Autry, um. Denico Autry is as good as any free agent. They had a, a, I mean He was the best free agent acquisition that the that the Titans had. He is the best roster addition. Whether you're talking rookie, whether you're talking free agent, like Danico Autry was considerably the most important personnel change that they made. And especially by nature of him coming over from Indianapolis, so you took from the Colts and made yourself better. And the Colts certainly missed his presence last year, playing alongside DeForest Buckner and kind of using him. In a variety of different ways. Um, now whether Danico Autry can kind of exceed that level, because he's a I think Danico Autry is a really, really, really good role player. Um, but obviously he's not he's not, you know, the kind of premier defender that you would necessarily look for that kind of production from. But I don't think he necessarily has to be the most overwhelmingly talented player in football to be able to execute that role. Again, and provided he play healthy, I think that he's, I think he's a huge asset for this team. Um, So we'll see. I I would venture a guess to say over though, which, you know, you guys know, I'm not typically, you know, I'm not unnecessarily optimistic about anything when it comes to your football team. But I think in, in even by any, any conservative estimate, you would say, yeah, they're probably going to get, I don't know how much better, but they're probably going to be a better group. Collectively, than what we saw on the field last year, and what we saw on the field last year was still pretty damn good. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the turnovers um, to get into that conversation. Well, interceptions specifically is how we have kind of broken this down. Um, but I'd be curious to know your opinion on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. The Titans' defense will have over or under sixteen interceptions in twenty twenty two. That number is what they finished with the past year. And I think that's the place that we need to start. Uh, The Titans defense will have over or under 16 interceptions in this coming season. We will talk about it together and you can give me your opinion. And as you do so, I will tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. The official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators is GaryAshton.com. He's the official realtor of me too. I used Gary Ashton and the Ashton team to make sure that I found the perfect home for myself. I could not be happier with the results of the home that I purchased three years ago last month. Gary and his team put me in the best possible position to succeed with the Intel edge that only they have. GaryAshton.com, the official real estate agent of your favorite pro sports teams and your favorite late night streaming sports talk show. All right. So over under 16 interceptions. It's a push, 16 interceptions again for MB. Now, I think that when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the turnover total, right, we're obviously not accounting for fumble, fumble recoveries here. Uh, Interceptions are the, uh, are the thing that I think kind of puts things in the best possible perspective for people, affecting the quarterback can often lead to errant throws, you know, uh, inaccurate passes. You get a hand on the ball, you get hands up in the quarterback's face, and you can swat it down at the line of scrimmage or kind of tip it up from there. We've seen Jeff Simmons and Jayon Brown capitalize on plays like that plenty of times in the past couple of years. Um, you know, Obviously, a big rebound year from Kevin Byard, who was not having to do everybody's job and was making himself worse at his own job, getting himself out of position to have to cover up for mistakes of other people in 2020, you saw a nice, uh, a nice rebound from Bayard there. And we, Kevin and I talked about that on the radio show about two months ago. I think they were still in the middle of mandatory minicamp at the time, a little less than two months ago at this point, but looking at this, I would say, I would say a push is fair. 16 interceptions is a good number. Now, I would like to see them. I would like to see them, and this is a coaching point. I talked to Ryan Crow, their outside linebackers coach about this at Mandatory Minicamp the last time we spoke to assistants. And he said basically, yeah, what we did last year was unacceptable as far as, you know, getting as you're as you're peeling around the corner or as you're getting around the edge as an edge player, get the hand up in the air and swat the football before it comes out, right? They, they were getting there, and they were getting the quarterback at a more frequent rate, but they weren't disrupting the ball before it came out of the quarterback's hands. It will be markedly easier on you if you can get the hand up in the air, bring the hand down on the quarterback's arm as he goes back to pass, and you get the football as it's coming out, right? Whether, it, whether there's forward progress and it becomes a pass, whether there's not forward progress and it becomes a fumble, That is something you want to see the Titans defense do more. Quarterback goes back to pass. You see him rear back. All of a sudden, there's Danico Autry's arm swatting it down at the line of scrimmage or pulling the arm down to make a play on the ball. That's the kind of thing that the Titans defensive coaching staff is emphasizing. And we've seen them work a lot of those drills. Uh, For Mike Vrabel, certainly, um, you know, when it comes to it, it, he's always focused on the rush complementing the coverage coverage consistency, front multiplicity, right. He's gotten away from a lot more of those like, uh, you know, I don't want to say generic because I think a lot of coaches, I mean, there is practical purposes to those, to that terminology, but you know, when it comes to what they're able to do, I think Mike is aware of that situation. I think he's, he and the coaching staff are emphasizing that in particular to the players this year.
1: Well, I don't think Ryan or myself or anybody did enough to win the game. That's how it goes, Paul. Um, it's never going to be about one person, not as long as I'm the head coach, um, which will be a while. Um, so it will never be about one person. We have to play better, have to get open, not fall down. Um, you know, defense got to get some turnovers. But we can't turn the ball over. We know that. We can't get stopped on down. So those are all the things that we, we talk about and reasons why you lose. On you know, Our third down conversion wasn't good enough our ability to score touchdowns in the red zone, but we all have to play better. We have to coach better.
0: Uh, it'll never be about blaming one person. Not as long as I'm the head coach, which will be a while. <laughs> it's just, it's such a great line in real time. It is unholy arrogant, <laughs> but you know, I think that's why a lot of people I think I think a lot of people uh I think certainly the players feed off that kind of energy from Mike. And you know, I uh I remember sitting in that press conference trying to stifle us like I think I snorted because I tried to catch myself from laughing because I think he would have I think he would have bit my head off if I laughed in that press conference says, right, not as long as I'm the head coach, which will be a while, and the stare down afterwards. It's just it's also it's just great. It makes me happy every time. Um, play better, coach better, says Jeff Sawyer. Yeah, we, we had done, we had done like a play better, coach better counter this year. He'd gotten away from the play better, coach better. And then all of a sudden in the last game of the year, after his season's come to a screeching halt, now we got to play better, coach better. There it is. Drink. <laughs> uh, can you, Ryan Field says, can you dispute that though? A record number of players we used and he got coach of the year. Can I dispute what? Ryan, what are you asking me? Um, If I likely I can dispute whatever you're asking me that I can or cannot dispute. I think I could easily dispute just about anything, even as ridiculous as it might seem. Um, But I need you to be more specific as to can I can I what are you asking me to dispute a record number of players we used? And he got coach of the year. So uh, his arrogance of being there for a while. Oh, can I can I uh, uh, can I dispute Mike's arrogance? No, Mike's arrogance is indisputable. <laughs> In fact, that may be the only thing that I cannot dispute, Mike's uh, Mike's. But yeah, I mean, it's it's earned. I think mostly. I, I think everybody would regard Mike Vrabel as above average at his job. Um, you know, and I think Mike, it's I think it's important for him to have that kind of energy. Um, because I think the players do feed off that uh, that kind of stuff. Now you know. I mean, this was before he got the contract extension, which I'm sure he knew he was going to get a contract extension, no matter how, uh, no matter how that press conference played out specifically. But I think that when you look at Mike and what it is that he's done over time, yeah, he's winning at a at a better clip than almost any coach. He's winning at uh, as good a clip as any coach in the history of that franchise, Oilers or Titans. Um, he's got a better winning percentage than, uh, than obviously a much smaller sample size of games, but he's got a better winning percentage than Jeff Fisher. He is, uh, as good as Jack Pardee, who was one of the first coaches in the history of the franchise who got off to a, uh, who got off to a really, really uh, good start when they were, uh, playing in the 1960s. So looking at this, um, looking at this for. Uh, From Vrabel's standpoint, yeah, no, I I don't, I don't think, I don't have any problem with Mike being a a cocky mother bleeper. Um, I just think that, (laughs) I just, you know, I think in the moment, I don't think you guys received that nearly as well as uh, you are, like I said, six months after the fact. Um, Anthony Chan uh, says, I want to see Buck become a Titans fan, my prediction for the season. Uh, Eric says, Buck, isn't a Titans fan? No, man, how? Read, read, get on the camera and do the thing. I don't want to have, it's three years of me doing this thing. I don't want to have to do the thing anymore. It's like, it should come like, a, it should come with a warning label with this show, like a pack of cigarettes as, as far as what's going to happen to you if you, if you uh, if you smoke too many cigarettes, Reed, do the disclaimer on the show so I don't have to do it for the 7,000th time. The biggest disclaimer is that
1: Buck covers your team. He is
0: not a fan.
1: Everybody needs to understand and learn this. This needs to be like the, the, the 11th commandment. Buck shall not be a fan of the Tennessee Titans. He shall only cover them.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Back to the shadows, producer Reed. Thank you for all of your great work. Uh, Royal Wright says Buck's a Colts fan. He will say that he isn't. You guys, it is impossible to me that you guys refuse to believe that I did not give a single shit about the sport of football until it became my job to do so. I swear to you, I do not care. There is not a single NFL program that moves me one way or the other emotionally, unless that godforsaken local football team that, that practices about two miles from my home as I sit here in downtown Nashville. Unless they make it so my season stinks, covering them, that's the only emotion that you will get out of me about the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Just unbelievable. I could give a damn about any of the 32 NFL franchises. I am, uh, I am somebody who does this for a living, and it's a great job. I would. Game days are as fun for me. I think as they are for the players, even though I have zero impact on wins or losses, I love covering games. But outside of that, man, I got nothing for football other than this is what I do, this is what I know, this is what I'm paid very well by A to Z Sports and Cumulus Media to talk about on a regular basis. And outside of that, you can talk to me about fandom when it gets to college basketball season and I start mother bleeping the name of the Indiana Hoosiers, the only team that makes me feel any ounce of fandom, still in my life, which I hate them for. <laughs> anyway, uh, he also doesn't make predictions and he hates bad grammar, dogs, and fireworks. These are all things. These are all so uh, this is absolutely, this is absolutely a thing. I do not like, uh, I don't like bad grammar. Um, I don't hate dogs. I just, I largely, I just, I find them to be hugely annoying and I don't want anything to do with them. Um, and also I think they're kind of idiots but uh you know i i felt terrible i felt terrible for the dogs um I felt terrible for the dogs yesterday in particular cuz i know how much the uh i know how much the uh, the fireworks which i do hate i do hate fireworks i know how much fireworks bother animals uh which is not exactly what i want um but uh bryson says i actually like that i'm not that i am not a titans fans we don't get biased opinions from him because of it yeah you know i mean like i said i uh, i try i try to i try to keep it balanced like You know, every once in a while, if you guys, if you guys ask me what I think about a certain thing, I'll, uh, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to give that to you straight up. And as, uh, in as, in as palatable way as I can, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't root for your team. I don't actively uh, talk shit about your team unless it is shit that they have deserved because of the way that they performed. That is a part of my job, uh, qualification. Absolutely. Jake Westerman says, I love dogs. I think kids are idiots. Um, you know, I think if you had, if I had to pick between dogs and children, I would probably pick dogs, just because I would agree with you. Um, at least dogs, they are un that whatever dogs are, uh, I, I believe them to be unbelievably loyal. Even if they throw up and then eat their own throw up, which are, is one of the things that makes them idiots. Um, children, I think, just throw up and and defecate everywhere and cost you tremendous amounts of money. And it's like over a twenty. You know, if I mean, if your kids, if your kids doing really well, maybe it only lasts twenty one years or twenty two years, however long it takes kids to get out of college. I think uh, more than anything. So yeah, I'm going with the dogs over the children. Uh, I do not have children. Uh, in fact, I had a doctor's appointment today, and they were talking about you know this uh, a, a certain treatment that they didn't necessarily want me to do because it might affect my fertility. And all I was thinking was, I will go down the street right now. And I will get, what what is a vasectomy where they snip you? I will go down at 29 years or 20, 29 in two weeks, not yet 29, but I'm starting to tell myself that I'm 29 so I can get over it when it actually happens to me. Um, At 28 years old, I'm completely fine with being sterile. Just go ahead and snip it. Be done with it now. I don't want to, I'm not looking for that particular burden in my life. Um, I would go for a dog over a child. Absolutely. But you know, if you have both uh, good on you. Some of some of us are made for it. Some of us, like myself, we're not, nece- not necessarily cut out for it. Um, <laughs> MB says, "Buck also loves when Brable snaps at him or other media members." I do. I really do like it when Mike when Mike takes somebody's head off, even if it's mine. Even if even if I got to be the sacrificial lamb that day, uh, because I can get you know I can get so many miles out of it in in some form or fashion on a talk radio show on the uh, on the on the primetime show on the uh on the podcast whatever the case may be uh Stephen king says give us a cat update uh so it seems that we're going to go that direction instead of a gone viral video tonight frank both of them are in the office with me right now frank uh frankie and leo um Frankie's the girl and leo is the boy frankie is laying down about like i would have to reach down and pick her up and she'd probably get pissed at me um, for picking her up because she looks pretty comfortable and is waiting for uh, for to be fed because they get fed after the primetime show. Every time Reed plays a video, as a matter of fact, and she hears me stop talking, she'll come in here and chirp at me like, where the hell is my food, you idiot? Speaking of idiots, get up and give me my food. That's the difference between cats and dogs. The dog would be like, hey, man, I love you. Can we have food now? And The cat comes in here and says, uh, the cat comes in here and says, hey, you idiot. It's time it's time for dinner. Get up off your ass and stop talking about Mike Vrabel and the Titans defense. Mike Conley says, can they play wide receiver? No, Frank's a little fat. I'll be honest with you. Frank's a little fat. I don't necessarily. Frank might make a good left guard. Um, she's, she's uh, you know, I think she's like 10 pounds. It's pretty big for a cat. There's a damn mountain lion out here. Uh, Ryan Fields, uh, <laughs> boys, our discussion, boy, our discussion tonight reached all of the borders. That's right. Ryan Field says Buck's been hanging around Paul K too much. LOL, starting to show. No, here's here's the thing, Ryan, um, because that's a criticism that I've gotten before. And again, I love Paul. Paul's one of my best. Uh, Paul's one of my best friends um, as far as as far as work friends go. I, I I appreciate everything that Paul Kaharski has done for me over the course of his career. But Paul didn't invent being an asshole. You know, Paul just happens to be an asshole. And it just so happens that a part of my personality also fits that description, which, you know, it's fine. I'm not blazing any trails. Paul's not blazing any trails. There be there have been jerks before Kaharski. There'd be jerks after Kaharski. So not every jerk has to be attributed to Paul. I'm just kind of like this. What are you going to do? All right. What do you think, Reed? That's going to do it for tonight's show? No, he wants to do a gone viral video. All right, let's do a gone viral video and wrap this thing up on a uh, on a Tuesday evening what's the worst prank someone has pulled on you let me know on in the comments on Facebook, YouTube on Twitter and on Twitch uh, Reed provided this to me I saw it this morning it made me laugh out loud. it's this week's gone viral video. <laughs>
1: Two hours later. It's not there, so I, have to I don't know, so on and back.
0: It's outstanding. It made me laugh. I uh, well one, I I would I would question a lot of things, like who actually is there are, are there grown adults who sleep on a blow up mattress? Now listen, I don't understand everybody's financial situation so let me not be a jerk. Let me not be one percenter on this, but I think it is questionable as soon as you uh, as soon as you have a situation where you're looking around and saying yeah, you know that that blow up mattress that I typically sleep on that makes sense. let me just let me just pop down on this. Maybe uh, I hope it was her bedroom, not his. MB says, yes, uh, that is among one of the better pranks that I've seen. Now, the best prank that's been pulled on me, hmm, I would have to think about that for a second. Um, As far as pranks that have been pulled on me are concerned, I don't necessarily know that I've got, that I've had like a memorable prank that's happened to me, at least not one that comes to mind, not certainly in a long time if it's happened. I think I i think i had a an ex-girlfriend pull a fake pregnancy thing on me on april fool's day maybe that was a friend of mine i can't remember exactly how that went so i don't recall i don't recall any like really really good pranks off the top of my head but uh you know i mean i think that's fortunate now watch somebody's going to get me um with some kind of unholy prank producer Rita scheming in the background i can already see it it makes me very nervous um, but regardless, in the meantime, that's going to do it for us tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We had a great time. I hope you guys did as well. We covered a lot of ground here. We'll, we'll wrap the show up this way. I'll bra- I'll pull Frank up. I'll reach down here. She's going to be pissed at me about it. She doesn't like being picked up. This is Frank. This is my Mufasa. She's not about it. She wants nothing to do with it. It's time for dinner. For Frank, And that means that the primetime show is over, radio show tomorrow. We're going to be talking a lot about the Pac-12, the Big 12, all these different things that are falling apart in college football. It's going to be a great time. We hope to have you there from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Check out the podcast if you don't already. And we're doing another episode of The Install with Greg Cosell tomorrow as well. See you guys.